Welcome to the Mavens of Marketing, a weekly podcast hosted by me, Rachel Durkin. And me, Carrie Barrett. We talk all things marketing, innovation, sales, and business growth strategies, and the standard tried and true marketing techniques. Come for the conversation, stay for the savvy insights. And the borderline inappropriate jokes. to the Mavens of Marketing. I am one part of your co-hosting duo, Carrie Barrett. Thank you for joining us so much. And the other half of the lovely and talented duo is Rachel <laughs> Durkin. How are you? Hello, hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so excited about my our guest today. She has some amazing accomplishments and is going to share some amazing, amazing ideas. And I'm really looking forward to it. I am too. And I'm going to jump right into her introduction in a quick moment. But Rachel, you want to just introduce yourself to the audience very quickly? Sure. So for those of you who, who haven't listened before or don't know me, my name is Rachel Durkin. I own a company called Paradigm Marketing and Design. We are a web branding, marketing, and workflow agency. We support our clients in helping them increase the number of quality meetings they're having and shortening their sales cycle. So if you have a complex sale, which means you're not selling a widget online, you've got a sales team, we can help you position your brand appropriately, figure out how to go to market, understand your audience, and increase the number of sales that your sales team is making. Ding, 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 ding. And with that said, I'd like to introduce you to our also lovely and talented guest, Brooke Riley. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are y'all? Oh, we are fabulous. And as usual, you look fabulous. I can't wait to talk to you. You have just, you have this amazing online community, which is part of what we're going to be talking about today. But if you want to, would you give our audience a quick introduction of who you are and what you do? Yes, absolutely. So my name is Brooke Riley. I'm from Western Kentucky, hence the accent that everybody asks about all the time. Um, I'm a mother and wife. I've got two young kids, eight and nine, and I am a blogger. Um, I own the blog refab.com. Um, that's where it all started. So I do DIY decorating, lifestyle, some travel on there and have an huge online community across the board. Um, our Facebook page is at 778,000 right now. So it's, you know, it's kind of the hub of everything, um, which has helped us to be able to do several other things um, in business as well as owning an online boutique and being able to business coach and well, other and, and you've taken everything that you've learned in putting that community together and you now help other business owners Ooh. use the same tactics and strategies to grow their own business. And yes. that's sort of what we're going to be jumping into yes. today. Right. But, but, um, but you're, you are being a little bit bashful. You recently won a, a pretty prestigious award. So share, share <laughs> your triumph with us. Okay. Well, last month in June, I was um, identified as one of Forbes next 1000 um, entrepreneurs. And it's just absolutely validating, especially as a person in the like DIY craft industry. I mean, I obviously do more than that, but that's where it all started. So just having that validation and that, that business accomplishment has been huge for me. So I'm super, super thankful for that. Well, congratulations. And not only thankful, but you want it because you know what the heck you're doing, which is why we're <laughs> talking to you today. So let me ask you this. One of the things that you help your businesses do or your clients do, I should say, and, and one of the tactics that you've really leveraged to grow your own business is, is 
is growing your your presence in the online space. You have these massive communities on different platforms. You're everywhere. Tell us a little bit about like how do you how important is that part, I guess, in your growth? And then how do you take those first steps? Like what should people be doing to begin to grow that community themselves for their own business? Okay. Yeah, that's a very good question. And I do think that the online communities are key. There are definitely, um, okay, so basically in a nutshell, like there's just so much you could say about this one area. So I'm like excited to dive in. But as far as building, I'm going to start with that. As far as building it and why that I feel like it's important and why it's helped me so much. When I started six years ago, I started a blog. It was a website. I knew nothing about anything. I started at zero like everybody else. Started social media at zero, mostly Facebook right then. Um, So I started both at the same time at zero. So what I tell everybody now is like, that's a hard place to start both at zero. It's doable. Clearly, um, I've been able to do it. But if you already have um, a social media presence for your business, it's going to be much easier to make that sell over to like a website or something that you also have established. Starting at zero for both and trying to grow is really hard. But when you have an online community of people that is your target audience, that's key. Not just a bunch of random people that follow you. That's People can get so caught up in the number that they forget that it's not about the number. It's about the quality of people in your community and if they are your target audience. So building that community of people that are there for the right reason and there for like what you're selling, what you're doing. Um, Building that community is huge in being able to leverage that for sales later on and revenue in all kinds of different ways. Um, As far as the number, like I know I have a big number beside my name and I'm, I'm thankful for that and everything about it. But there are also people out there who have much smaller audiences than me that are making millions of dollars because they know how to leverage those people too. So I just don't want people to get caught up in that when they hear, oh, well, she's got almost 800,000 people, of course, blah, blah, blah. Um, You can have the same amount of success focusing in on a niche as well. Um, But obviously, this, we all know this, the more people you have to choose from in a pool, the more sales you're going to get. That's just a natural, that's a statistic that we all know. Now, growing that I think is where people get stumped. Well, that's great. You say to have a community, but how do I grow a community? And to me, the key thing is going live. I firmly believe in that. I teach that all the time. When you are going live, like especially on Facebook and Instagram, even TikTok, I mean, TikTok, you may kind of dismiss that, but it's been proven in business to be very, you know, helpful with that and building community there as well. Going live, showing your face, getting to know your audience getting them to interact with you and you are you're building that no like and trust factor that we all know is important in any kind of sales no matter what 
Um, that's also, and I lump together sales with also like clicking on a website. Like nobody wants to click over to something if they don't feel connected to you in some way. And then that in turn, obviously websites make sales through ads and everything else. So any kind of way that you can create that community, build that trust factor, build relationships with those people, respond to them, talk to them, make them feel validated when they're talking to you. Um, that in the end, it's going to be such a natural sale when you do have something to sell. And, and I can expound on whatever, but I know I could talk forever. So I'm just going to cut it out, let y'all ask whatever. <laughs> so, so rewind back to when you started all this and you started at zero. How did you get to a thousand, two thousand. I mean, now we're at seven hundred. That's a whole different snowball, right? How did you get? How did you get started? How do you start the community when you don't really have a trust factor yet? Right. Well, the way that I started um, is I literally. So I had a blog. So I was just pushing people to the blog. That's what I was putting out there. I had no store, no no anything else. It was just the blog. So on Facebook, I was posting. You know this is what I did on the blog today, check to see the after and then just talking to them, engaging with them. If they would say, oh my gosh, Brooke, that's so cute. I love it. I would always respond back. This is key. And I think this is super duper important. From the time I had five followers, if somebody commented on my post, I responded back. If they mm -hmm. can take the time to talk to me and, and, and you know, tell me they like what I did, I can take the time to tell them thank you. If somebody mm -hmm. walks into your storefront, which is kind of like what your Facebook page is or your any social media page, mm -hmm. you're not going to not say hi to them. Or if they speak to you, you're not going to just throw up a thumbs up, <laughs> you know, um, like people do on Facebook, just a little like, like you're going to say, well, it's good to see you in here. Thanks for stopping by. And so I was the same way with that. I treated it like my storefront mm -hmm. and I would talk to the people and then just, and it's a slow process, y'all. I mean, I can't pretend like it was just overnight that bam, all these followers happen. It was slowly putting out content that I knew the people that I was trying to reach would want to see because I was trying to get that target audience in there, not just anybody. So I was showing DIY, I was showing decorating and budget friendly stuff. And I would always share my life from day one. So I was mm -hmm. always sharing my faith and just who I was. I was never um, one of those people that like hid from everybody and it was just surface level. I got deep with people like I, I let them see who I was. Now, let me say this. For the first two years, I did not go live. I was scared to death, okay? I said I was never going to do it. It was too scary. I didn't want to talk in front of people. I, that was my biggest fear, which is so ironic, but it was. Mm -hmm. So it was a slow grow, it, but it was getting the right people. It was getting the interaction going. It was building the community slowly. And at about 10 to 15, 20,000 people, somewhere around in there, it's hard to remember right now, at about two years, so it was slow. Then that's when I started going live. Mm -hmm. And that's when the true connections started happening. It was like, well, there's Brooke. That's her face. Oh my gosh, listen to how she talks. She is a hick, you know, mm -hmm. and like just all this and like, oh my gosh, I love your accent. And, and my personality's extra. It's very obvious even on here. This is just how I am. So I was connecting to people and they were connecting to me and it was just taken off because they could see like, 
She's very real. This is just the way she is. And you either connected with that or you didn't. And it was fine if you didn't, but then you knew you weren't the right fit for that page. So going live made all the difference in the world and how the true connections took place. And even when it was growing, I was still responding to my community all the time. Mm -hmm. I even have people hired now that help me respond. It's that important to me. So that's a key factor from day one. And you said something earlier that I thought was really important is making those of you, for for people listening who don't know exactly what you do, but like your blog has a lot of uh, like refurbished, like new ways that you can adjust your house or decorate or, you know, use old products to create something really cool and new. So I'm guessing your audience is, you know, moms and, and, you know, people who want to are in the do, do it yourself community. Like who, tell me like, Okay. Did you kind of do an, an audience analysis? Did you just attract people with, you know, with what you did? What was your strategy? Well, I mean, to be honest, I didn't have a strategy starting out. Like, I didn't know what this was going to be. I left a full-time career and came home and followed a dream. I didn't even know what a blog was. Mm-hmm. So I, it would sound great and wonderful if I could say, oh, let me tell you, Rachel, like I did X, Y, Z because I knew this is where I was going later at, but that's just not true. Mm-hmm. I had no clue. I was just doing what I loved and sharing it with people. But mm-hmm. the truth is in business, if you have a business and you're doing what you what you love and you're walking in your purpose and your passion together, like that scene. And mm-hmm. so I stuck to the core of what I did though. And I will say this, I did that from day one. I loved to make over like furniture projects, room makeovers. We've always flipped houses, me and my husband. We've just done that way before I started the blog. We've always done that. So I would share those. Mm-hmm. I would share, you know, heartfelt stories about, you know, infertility. I mean, I just shared my life on the blog, mm-hmm. everything I was doing, but it was always based around just my life and faith and decorating and DIY that was mostly on a budget. So mm-hmm. the people that I naturally attracted did fall into those categories of either relating to me as a mom, mm-hmm. relating to me that they just liked my personality, whether they were ever going to do a project or not. They just loved following along with the journey and with people that just wanted a beautiful home, but didn't want to break the bank. Mm-hmm. And, and some of my followers have enough money to do whatever. They don't do DIY, but they love to see how I pull things together. They like my style. So it's just like, a variety of people that just kind of all fall into different categories of what I do, but we make one big collective family, mm-hmm. honestly. So there wasn't a ton of strategy except sticking to what I loved and not just branching in a thousand directions, which mm-hmm. I do think is very important. Let, let me ask you a really quick question on that. And it's sort of higher level. And I think it deals a little bit with mindset, but you mentioned like, A, I didn't really have much strategy. And this was something that I was really afraid of doing. We hear this lesson, we hear this all the time. You just have to do it. You, even if you don't know really what comes next, it's putting one step in front of the other and just, and and exploring yeah. sometimes. Would you say that that taking that risk or having that mindset of, I really don't know what's next, but I know I have to do something. Otherwise I'm going to stagnate for sure. Was that a huge part of how you kept things going or how you began perhaps? Yes. And definitely how I began, you know, I was in a corporate job that was stressful and there was a lot of things that led into why I left a lot of health scares and things of that nature. Um, and, and, you know, God was just working on my heart of with that. There was something new, but it, it was, 
you know, you can know you're in the wrong place all the time and stay in it, but it's taking that step out, which is scary. It's not easy for anybody. If you're going to do something worth doing and be something worth being, you're going to have to take some scary steps and they're not going to be comfortable. They never are. So definitely taking that leap and being like, look, I don't know what's next Lord, but just, and cause you know, like I said, I'm a Christian, my faith it guides everything I do, but it's like, I don't know what's next, but I trust you that this is the path that you've got me on. I'm all in, I'm going forward. And it's so funny how just as you go, like you get new opportunities, you see this, you see this, but without that first step, you're not going anywhere. Like you said, and it's being brave enough to take it and then be willing to just go with the ebbs and flows that's coming and, and stay on the right track. And once you're doing it, because you kind of alluded to this too, once you know you're where you're supposed to be, the excitement of every day, even if you're not making the money right away, because let's face it, you know, I wasn't, most people aren't, you fake it till you make it or you do whatever you got to do to keep going. But loving what you do and being passionate about it keeps you motivated to keep doing more. And it's those little wins that happen along the way. That's that validation. That's like, okay, yes. Okay. I just made six cents on the blog or whatever, which I say jokingly, but I did make six cents. And I called my husband. I was like, I made money. And he's like, what do you mean? what did you make? He was so excited. I'm like six cents. He's like, <laughs> but that's real life, you know? And it's those little wins as little as they are that are so important because they keep you going in that direction. I mean, you can't know what's ahead. Mm -hmm. If we did know, we probably would never take that very first step. If we knew, if I knew what it was going to be today and what it would take to get there, I don't know if I would have had the courage to do it, you know? So you just got to look at each little step in front of you, like you said, and then just keep moving forward. So I, I had a business coach once that said to me, you can't get to second base with your foot still on first. And I think about that every time you have to do something scary. It's so important. And I'm the same way. If I looked back and I thought, this is what I was going to have to go through to get here. I probably would have just kept my corporate job. <laughs> I mean, it's not easy. It, it isn't. But let me ask you a question. I, I, I really believe in what you're saying. And I agree with you that you got to just kind of, sometimes you have to blind, blind faith and move forward. But I do feel strongly that at some point you have to stop and evaluate yes. and, and figure out, okay, what's my business plan? How am I going to leverage this? Yes. At what point did you do that? Okay. Yes. Did you do that? And do you disagree well, with me? No, no, I agree with you. Now starting out. No, like I said, I was just going with it and being like, let's see what happens as it became more and more of a business that was making money, that was really growing and that I could see, okay, this is a legit, like career, this is spanning in all these directions. I need to stop and be like, okay, what do I want from this? What are my goals for this? What do I hope to have happen? Like as big bucket list goals, what, um, what can I do to get there? Like all those things, yes. Like I had to take inventory of that and be like, okay, what are we doing here? What is working that I'm doing? And what's just taking time that's not producing any revenue or doing anything. When do I need to hire? You know, all that kind of stuff. Definitely about three years in is when for me, all of those things started taking place. Like the first three years I was growing, I was doing what I love and really trying to just start making money with it. But all the money coming in was going right back out into the business like a lot of businesses do. So it was about year three-ish 
that like money was actually coming in pretty substantially and really, you know, consistently because, you know, and then I'm like, okay, I need help. I need to figure out what I'm doing. I want to drop this. This is not something I love. I want to focus more on this. And so that's when I sat down like with my husband and he ended up coming home. Um, he's been home for two years from his, his corporate job and works this full time with me. He's been the biggest, and I cannot leave him out. And I really need to say this, like he's been the biggest supporter and behind the scenes motivator and person that's helped me through all this. So I just definitely want to give him props. But so he came home and then we're like, okay, what can we do here? And honestly, that's where the boutique came into play, if I can mention that. Um, and I think this boils down to knowing your community, knowing what they're asking for, and being able to provide that to them. Not just selling something because you want to sell something to make money, but know that this is, I listen to them close enough that I know they're asking for this and I'm going to provide it. So as that community was really growing about year three, I'm like, okay, I get the same question all the time from my community. And it doesn't matter who it is and what age they are. Where did you get your shirt? Those earrings are so cute. Where did you get those? Stuff like that constantly. And I'm like, well, you know, down at the local thrift store or, you know, whatever. Like literally, it was like never somewhere that it was that they could get it. Or, you know, oh, Gap five years ago. Cause I just never cared about stuff like that. Like I wanted to look cute, but I didn't care where it came from. I never have. And so I'm like, first of all, as a business owner, I need to be leveraging this. Um, it, in the least, I need to be providing affiliate links to where they can get what I'm wearing. But affiliate links provide 3%, 2%, 5%, just depends. And I'm like, is that really what I want to do? So I talked to my husband. I'm like, I really think it might be a good idea to start like an online store. I knew I did not want a brick and mortar. That was never a question. And I said, that way I can be like, oh, you like my shirt? Well, you can find it in my store, you know, and then... I can provide them what they're asking for. So I'm helping them and I'm giving them an answer to their question, but I'm also in return making money way more than what I would make on a quick little Amazon affiliate sale. So listening to them, to my audience is what brought upon the, the boutique, which in three years has turned into a multi seven figure boutique online that, um, last year was, um, the 2020 boutique of the year in Kentucky. So, I mean, I'm super proud of the boutique, but honestly, in a hundred percent honesty, it just came from listening to the, to your audience. And I think that is so important to be in tune with them enough that you know what they want. And then you can take that and capitalize on it and provide that. So two questions, selfishly, <laughs> what's the website for your boutique? <laughs> Refab, it's refabboutique.com. So instead of refabbed.com, it's refabboutique. And there is a hyphen in refabbed. A lot of people forget to put that in. Okay, done. Written it down. I'll be yeah. visiting there as soon as this is <laughs> yes. Number two, Definitely. You, you, um, you led really well into my next question. And I think you probably already answered some of it. What I wanted to ask you is how you 
leverage that community that you've built and that like no trust factor that you've built to turn profit. And part of it sounds like really listening to your audience. So you know you've got enough questions about your shirt that somehow you figured out, I have to be able to move this into something online. And instead of just answering them, give them a way that they can buy it for me, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really listening. It's also, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I would think that way yet. I'm I'm only two years into this, barely. And I I see the creativity and sort of how your mind is working in order to take that. What else do you need to do to leverage a community that you've built, whether it's a hundred or whether it's a million in order to turn a profit? Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, it's exactly like you said, it is training yourself like it's not necessarily something that just comes natural from the very beginning that you're going to automatically think oh they asked for this let me do this you know let me create a store or whatever but when you are listening from day one responding to comments talking to him like I did I was just training myself to hear them and to know them and so when it was overwhelming with the questions about the jewelry I always tried to wear cute jewelry I just just love jewelry you know and cute clothes or whatever then that was an overwhelming thing that came natural to provide that for them but in all complete transparency it's just listening to your audience no matter how small no matter how big and when you keep hearing something even if it's something you're not that you're like, why do they keep asking this? Or why so many people concerned about this? I mean, I got asked, I don't even know, like I've had some different hairstyles in the past six years. And I bet I've gotten asked hundreds of thousands of times for hair tutorials. That's nothing I do. But finally I did one and put it on YouTube because I'm like, I've got to, you know, and then it, it blew up, you know? So it's like, I'm thinking, why do you care? Like, look at this pretty craft I'm doing, you know, but that was something they wanted to see. And, and, you know, in all honesty, the coaching group, it came from listening to my audience too. Like I was not interested in being a business coach um, along the way. That was not something I thought that was my next step but you don't always know your next step. And now I can't imagine not doing it. And I love it. But people were asking me, how did you grow this? How do you get so many people on your live videos? How did you um, create this store? What made you want to do that? Like just so many questions that were just all business related. Well, I didn't want to answer those on my lives when I'm doing a craft or while I'm decorating something. So I was like, responding to them by email, trying to help them the best I could. But those questions became so more and more. And I'm like, I can't do this for free. I mean, I'm a business owner. I've worked really hard for this information that I've gained and, you know, worked, spent money learning, you know, from other people too. And so I'm like, you know what? Like, I think I'll just start an online coaching group. And two and a half years ago, I launched that and it was just like a soft launch, nothing that was super strategic, except, hey guys, I get this question all the time. And since I don't want to talk about that on this page, because that's just not the purpose of this page, I'm starting a private paid group where I can really dive in with you and I can answer these questions about business and you know, you're welcome to join. Now, if you're not interested, because I was putting that out there to my 
refab page. I'm like, if you're not interested, ignore this. Like it's not for everybody, but it's for those people that keep asking. And so I had like 200 people join the first time. And then over the last two and a half years, it's grown to about 2000 right now. Um, and so, and I don't care if it grows more than that. I want it to be the right people in there. Not that I don't want to grow it, but I want it to have the right people that want to be there and are going to take action and learn. But it was just another instance of a revenue stream coming from listening to your audience and what they were asking for. And I think the more and more and more you train yourself to do that, the more you're going to see the opportunities that can come from that where they will never look at you like you're salesy or, oh, she's selling something else. It's, oh, she's meeting this need that I've been asking her for. Thank you. And then they're thanking you. When I provide affiliate links for other things, like a vacuum that I use, or literally that is something or anything, they're like, thank you so much for giving me this link to Amazon Prime. That helped them. Like it told them, this is what I use. They ask all the time this is a link to it. Yes, I get a commission on that, but they're not seeing it that way. They're seeing it like you answered my question. You helped me and you're providing what I need. And yeah, it's a stream of revenue for me, but it's serving my people at the same time, which is really great to be able to do. Brooke, this is awesome. I love your story and, and you've shared so much good information, but we're running up on time. So in every one of our, we ask all of our guests this uh, just to get to know you better. So what is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? Okay, I actually have a good story for that. So <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I was um, down in Nashville for CBS Talk of the Town. I have a monthly segment with them. And I've been doing that for two years now. And I was about to be on air. Okay. And so it was that morning. And Meryl, the lady that always does the segments with me that works for them, she's we're like buddies. She's the sweetest lady ever. And she goes, Brooke, she said, you may want to go look in the mirror. She said, because I'm not sure what is all over your face. And I'd have been there a good 45 minutes at this <sighs> time around everybody there. She said, but you got something white, like all over your face. I'm like, oh my gosh. I go over there and I look in the mirror and she wasn't kidding. It was all up my nose. I had eaten donuts before I went in. <laughs> I didn't know. I did not know. And my assistant did not tell me because she says she didn't notice. And I'm like, you're fired. No, I'm kidding. But she's right here. She's laughing. <laughs> but like, I'm like, Meryl, oh my gosh, thank you so much for telling me that. So I wiped it all off. And she said, we got more in the break room if you're still hungry. I'm like, clearly I've had enough to snag on on my face all day. So I will never like that. Everybody in the studio was cracking up. It was funny. It was lighthearted. I was so thankful she told me and I did not go on air <laughs> with donut all over my face. But I've been like, what is, no wonder book has so much energy, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Thinking, I'm like in a newsroom that could be any number of things yeah oh my gosh. And I'm like oh my gosh I was least likely it was, it was funny yes so it was so funny so it's just a fun story to be able to tell now but I, like thank god I didn't go on air looking like that I, I love it let me let me I'm going to share a very quick story with you when because I used I worked in the news business for two years I, two years two decades and I finished up in New York City but I started 
in a tiny little town in Wichita Falls, Texas. And that's where you're doing everything on your own. You're shooting your stuff, you're editing your stuff, the whole nine yards. And I was out at a press conference um, with, I can't remember the story, but it was a bunch of police and um, all all the other media was there. All the other media, it was a very tiny town. There wasn't anyway. um, And I I needed to use the restroom. So I ran into the... (laughs) ran into the police station and I was wearing a skirt and back then hose were still popular. I was wearing hose. I came back out in front of everybody, the police and everything, not realizing it when I had pulled up my hose, I had tucked my skirt into (laughs) My daughter is potty training and she's been doing that a lot lately. I was out there for a good 10 or 15 minutes in front of God and everybody with my skirt tucked into my hose before finally somebody was like, uh, you you may want to go check. Oh, your- that's so embarrassing. <laughs> that makes for such a funny story to go back and yes, right. I'll never forget it. <laughs> anyway, they won't either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, you were amazing. If people are interested in either your coaching or your store, which I've already checked out on the down <laughs> we're doing this, where can they find you? So for my blog, you can go to refab.com. That's re-fab.com. And then on that website, I also have links and it's probably the easiest way to do it to find me on social media, which is refabbed on Instagram, Facebook, all the places. And then the store link is also on that website or it's re-fabboutique.com. And then the coaching group, there is a link on refab.com that says Brooks Creative Circle. That is my coaching group. And it'll have all the information there in that tab of how to join when it's open. We only open it twice a year, but you can find all the information there and you can get a, get a hold of me that way. Awesome. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was fun. It was fun. And to our audience, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Mavens of Marketing. We'll see you back here next week. Same time, same place. Bye. It's a teaser. What are the secrets to using LinkedIn effectively? Do you think it's possible to grow your following by five times in a year and a half? And if you can, why is that important? All of that and so much more, plus how sales managers can effectively use LinkedIn as well with our next guest, Deanna Russo on the Mavens of Marketing.